Glad to have you guys here on a uh, rainy day. Glad you chose to be here. It's easy to stay home when it's raining. And there's nothing that may, uh, preachers hate more than waking up on Sunday morning at 7 o'clock and seeing it just monsooning outside. You go, oh my goodness, I want the rain, but could you just maybe do it Sunday afternoon? But we're so glad you chose to be here. You know, we are uh, in the second week of this series talking about this idea of being a new in a new year, becoming a new you. And so we're trying to answer this question, right? And this question is simple. How do I bridge this gap between who I am right now and the who God wants me to be? See, that's the question we're trying to answer. We're trying to, to bridge this gap. And, and what it, the question implies is a reality that none of us are where God wants us. We are all a work in progress. We are trying to move from where we are to where God wants us. And that's kind of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to figure out is how do we get there? And the question is, I think most of us, if we're really honest, admit, man, I got some stuff I need to work on. And so I think most of us in our spiritual lives would admit that we know we're not where we're supposed to be, but we need to be moving to who God wants us to be. The question is why, if a lot of folks kind of figure that out, what stops us? You know, that, that's the question. What stops us? And I think sometimes the answer is really simple. I think it's the standard by which you judge where you are and what you're trying to be, the standard you choose to pursue. And sometimes, it's not a standard we're trying to pursue, it's a standard we're trying to pursue, catch, and move past. Um, in every field of life, there is somebody who is a trendsetter, someone who is like the best at what they do in business or, or whatever there is. And so, in business, there might be someone you look up to, someone you work for somewhere along the way, or somebody that you just have a lot of respect for because they did something amazing with a company or, or wherever the case may be. And so, you go, you know what? That's my standard. And so, I'm just going to try to get to where they are and then maybe move past where they are. In athletics, if you uh, watched this past uh, Monday, uh, the two, in my opinion, and my opinion doesn't count for much, two best coaches in college football, at least in the last 50 years, and that's saying a lot, put on a clinic. One team schooled the other, but they're considered the best. And so maybe, just maybe, if you're a coach, you look at those guys and go, you know what, I want to kind of be like Nick Saban, or I want to be like Dabo Sweeney, whichever the case may be. And that's my standard. And I don't want to just get there I want to get there and just keep on going. Everyone has a standard. Everyone has something you're trying to live up to and something that, that maybe you want to move past. And so that's the problem. The problem is, no matter what we compare ourselves to on this planet, it never measures up to the person that God wants us to be. And so if we're driven to pursue a standard that, that kind of moves me closer to who this guy is instead of who God wants me to be, we're never going to get where God wants us. And one of the people in, in the Bible who failed at this epically was King Solomon. Now, that's kind of interesting to say that Solomon is an epic failure. I've got a preacher friend who calls Solomon the wisest dumb man that ever lived. And that's kind of what he was. He was the wisest, smartest, most dumbest human being who ever lived. And if you think about his life, he had everything. So let me tell you a little bit about Solomon. And so we're going to kind of, kind of jump into this thing here. Because Solomon started off on the right track. Solomon was trying to move from, 
who he was and who God wanted him to be. But something along the way happened to him. Solomon changed his pursuit. He changed the standard that he was going to chase. Solomon was the richest human being who's ever walked on the earth. Now, you need to stop and think about that for a second. When you think about wealth in our culture today and the people that we look at and they've got all this money, Solomon is the richest human being who's ever walked on the planet, and it's not even close. It's not even close. Solomon was the wisest human being that ever walked on the planet, not named Jesus. And it's not even close. Smartest, richest. He is one of the greatest leaders in world history. He revered all over the world for his leadership in Israel. He had it all. The problem was, somewhere along the way, he thought he had it all because of, of what he had done. He stopped measuring himself by what God wanted him to be and started measuring himself by the accomplishments of his hands. And so Solomon got to a point in his life where we see that he literally turns his back on God. Now, if you, so let me just explain to you what, that, what I'm talking about. Imagine having a conversation with somebody and they don't want to listen to you and they just turn, they just turn away from you. And just, you're just talking to the back of their head. That's where Solomon got in his relationship with God. This man who started off on the right foot got to the point where he just literally just turned his back on God and did his own thing. Now, because God is gracious, uh, the, the, good, the lesson we learn from Solomon is that later in his life, in his older years, he looked back and figured out he had really messed a lot of stuff up. And he wrote this book that we know as Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is the writing of a man who had everything, got lost along the way, and looking back, saying, this is my life, and this is how I messed up. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. So in Ecclesiastes, we're going to be in chapter 2, we're going to camp there, and we see these words. <clears throat> this is Solomon talking about all the things he's trying to do, okay? I also tried to find meaning by building huge myself, planting beautiful vineyards, I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. Now, let me just stop for a second. Solomon may have been the greatest architect ever lived as well. And he built a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about here in the next few minutes. One of the things he built was these amazing reservoirs that could, that could literally give water to the country just for his stuff. He spent all this money building these res reservoirs just to take care of his stuff. Not the people. Just his stuff, right? Just his plant. The whole weed of things looking pretty good right now. Just chop them down and move along. But anyway, verse 7. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I owned large herds and flocks more than any of the kings who lived before me. collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and promises. I hired wonderful singers. Both men and women had beautiful concubines. We'll get there. I had everything a man could desire. So he had it all. He had, he had everything. He is the epitome of the American dream. As has been explained to us. Verse 9. And this is his standard. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me. And my wisdom never failed me. Solomon decided, I'm going to be greater than anybody who's ever walked on the earth. 
and I'm going to make it happen for me. And so he just started making it happen for him. So let me tell you about some of the things that Solomon did. Solomon amassed so much gold and silver that silver became common. Now, back in the day, um, in the time of, of, of the kings in, in Israel, in the United Kingdom, silver was like gold. You know, silver and gold were on the same par. They're not today, but in this... And so silver became so common because he had so much that it lost its value. Gold became so common that it lost its value because he just had so much. And it wasn't worth anything. Because one guy had it all. He built a city. Are you ready? He built the city because he needed a place to put all of his horses. He didn't build a city for the people. He built a city because he needed to put all of his horses in one place. He built a city for all the rest of his livestock, not for the people. He did anything and everything that he wanted to do. He didn't have one wife. That joker had 700 wives. Wisest, dumbest man who's ever lived. That's all I'm going to say about that. Because my wife is home now, so I need to be careful. All right? And I've got to change some of my ways now, apparently. So here's the thing. Dorm life is over for me, right? So here's the thing. But he had this, he was looking for meaning, so he started looking for, for the ladies. 700 marriages, almost all of which were political marriages. And if that wasn't enough, he had 300 slave girls who lived in his castle. Now that sounds really cool. Let me tell you what they were. They were unpaid prostitutes. That's what they were. A thousand women in his life. Smartest, dumbest man to ever live. He had all this stuff. He accomplished all these things. But his problem, I think, is, is kind of gives sight to the problem we have in life sometimes. The reason we have such a hard time moving from the who we are to the who God wants us to be. And that's simply this because his search became centered on what he wanted out of his life, not what God wanted for his life. So let me say that again and let that sink in. Solomon's search became centered on what he wanted for his life. What he wanted. Not what God wanted for his life. And I think that's where we get lost. And I think that's where we turn sideways. And I think that's why some of us say we want to move from the who we are. We understand God wants us here. And we're here. But I've got these things I want for me. And what if God doesn't want those things for me? What if I have to choose for the I want for me? Or the things God wants for me? What if I'd rather have the things I want for me than the things God wants for me? What do I do then? Here's what we do. We get stalled. We get stuck. And since nobody stands still, this is, this is the reality. This, this is the reality of life. Either you are moving towards God or you're moving away from God. Nobody's just standing still. No one's stuck in the mud. Either we are moving towards God or we're moving away from God. Either we want what God wants for our life or we want what we want for our life. There's no middle ground in this. Revel the book of Revelation tells us this whole day of lukewarm, hot and cold. Either we want what God wants or we want what we want. Either we're moving towards God or we're drifting away from Him. And some people are drifting away from God in life. And some people are moving like a current away from God. And some 
People are drifting closer and closer to God. And some people are moving on like a current closer to God. And it doesn't matter if you're drifting or you're on a current. The idea is as long as we're moving towards God, then we will want in our life what He wants for us. Verse 10, He says this. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. So this is what he's saying. Check this out. He's saying this. If it was out there to be built, he built it. If it was out there to be achieved, he achieved it. And if it was out there to have, he obtained it. He had everything. He had everything. Except for the one thing that mattered most. And he had lost sight of that. And so as an older man late in life, he wrote these words in verse 10. As I look at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. A man who built cities for his horses, for his cows, a man who built reservoirs just so his plants could, you know, would, would thrive and be beautiful, a man who had everything... Um, you know, I don't know about you, but um, recently uh, we had to, was forced to have to, we had to buy a car. You know what I did? I looked at the price tag. I didn't just walk in and pick the one I wanted because they'd be taking that back pretty fast. I picked the one I kind of wanted, but the one I could afford that would fit the needs that we had for our family. Because that's what you do. You know what Solomon would do? I want that one. You know how much it is? I don't care. I'll take ten of them. I mean, that's what he could do. We can't do that. I mean, there's some people that can, but they ain't, they ain't coming here, right? He had everything. And realized, looking back, he had absolutely nothing. He had nothing of value in his life. Because in his drive to obtain all this stuff, instead of moving to who God wanted him to be, he moved further and further away from who God wanted him to be. this sounds familiar to you. If I just build up my business, then I'll be successful. If I just get another degree, then I'll be successful. If my kids make the team, I'll be successful. If they start, I'll be successful. If I make all A's, I'll be successful. If I can climb the corporate ladder, I'll be successful. If I get a better car, I'll be successful. If I get a bigger house, I'll be successful. And we define success by what we can obtain, obtain with our hands. We, uh, we define success by what we can achieve because that's what Solomon did. Here's what I'm telling you. Defining success by what we obtain and achieve on this planet will not move you from who you are to who God wants you to be. It will move you on a journey from who you are further and further and further away from who God wants you to be. Here's Solomon's problem, and I think it's the same problem we have sometimes. Solomon forgot where his wisdom came from. Solomon forgot he did all these amazing things, not because he got smart, because God gave him wisdom beyond compare. Solomon forgot the reason he could achieve all these feats and obtain all this stuff is as God made him the wealthiest person to ever walk on the planet. 
He forgot that everything he had was a result of God's blessing and not the work of his hands. That's what he forgot. Sometimes we need to be reminded that the things we achieve in life are not by the work of our hands. Ultimately, it's the blessing of God in our life. That's what it is. Regardless of how much you have or how little you have, how big your house is, how small your house is, how many zeros are in your bank account or if your bank account starts with zeros, it doesn't matter. We are successful because God makes us successful. And success is not determined by what we do and achieve. It's determined by who we belong to. And that's the lesson Solomon forgot. And that's the lesson so many of us forget. And it's why instead of moving from who we are to who God wants us to be, we start moving further and further away from God. When he finally figured it out, this is how he closed this letter. He said this story. So he said, here's my story. I made a mess. I found out I didn't have anything. So here's fear God, obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. I think we just figured that out. Here's all that matters. Fear God. I don't mean be afraid of God. I mean it's a holy, reverent fear. Be fear God, creator of everything. And do what he says. And if I figure that out, I can move from who we are to who I am to the who God wants us to be. So the question is, how do I, what, so what do I need to do? What, what do I need to do? Where do I start? So we're going to kind of tag where we, if you were here last week, we're tagging along where we were. If you weren't, I encourage you to go back and listen. But that's simply this. Pursue an authentic relationship with Jesus and allow your life to be driven by his priorities and not yours. Let me say that again. Pursue an authentic. Authentic means real. A real, authentic, personal relationship with Jesus. Allow your life to be driven by what he wants for you, not by what you want for you. This goes so much beyond just reading your Bible every day, which we talked about last week. So, see, Solomon figured that out. The question is, why do, how do we pursue an authentic relationship with Jesus? Where do we go? Here's, and so, let me, so it starts where we kind of ended last week. Okay, if I want to pursue an authentic relationship with Jesus, this is what I need to do. I need to fulfill my created purpose. That's what I need to do. I need to fulfill my created purpose. That's what my life should be about. shouldn't be about anything else. If I fulfill my created purpose, all the other stuff will begin to take care of itself and fall into place. My created purpose is really simple. To know God and be known by God. That's why I'm here. That's why I exist. That's all that matters. So if I want to pursue an authentic relationship with Jesus, and I want to be driven by His values for my life, His priorities for my life, I want to do what He wants for me, then I'm going to make my life's mission to know God. It starts when you open your Bible up, and, and, you, and you read, and you pray. But that's just the start. You see... Pursuing an authentic relationship with Jesus is about how you live. It's about who you live for. It's about what brings value to your life. It's about what, what, why life matters to you. Everything you do is through the filter of your relationship with Jesus. 
That's how you pursue your creative purpose. Everything I do is through the filter of what does God want me to do? How does God want me to live? Where does God want me to go? And will I do what he wants? In short, it simply comes down to this. Make the mission of your life to know God and be known by God. In every area of your life, make the mission of your life to know God and be known by God. Don't just read your Bible. Let it sink in. Because here's what we need to understand. God's Word is a life guide. It is a GPS that tells us where we are and where we need to be. That's what it is. And so if I allow it to guide me, then I can begin to bridge the gap from who I am to the who God wants me to be. Man, Solomon started off on the right foot. Man, he, he, he started off and, and people came from all over the world because they, they had his wisdom and his knowledge and he could just make complicated things simple. But Solomon did what a lot of us do. He got so caught up in what all the people were saying about him. He got all caught up in what he was doing that he forgot that everything he did was because God had blessed him. And everything he achieved was because God blessed him. And the things he didn't achieve was because God blessed him. And when he succeeded, God blessed him. When he failed, God blessed him. Somewhere along the way, he stopped living for God's blessing and lived for his own. But when you fulfill your creative purpose to know God, to be known by God, when that becomes the mission of your life, here's what will happen. Here's what you learn. Our successes don't define us because we understand the result of God's blessing. Our failures don't devastate us because we understand that we are who we are in Christ. We stop asking God to bless what we're doing. And here's the, this is the hard part, okay? If you really, really want to move from the who you are to who God wants you to be, have the courage to pray this prayer. Stop asking God to bless what you're doing. And that sounds crazy. I thought that's what we're supposed to do. Stop saying, God, bless what I'm doing. Instead, saying, God, allow me to be a part of what you are blessing. It's a difference. When I say, God, I'm not asking you to bless what I'm doing. I'm asking you to, to, to put me where you're blessing, to allow me to be a part of what you're blessing. That is a major shift and step closer to who God wants me to be. Because that's the question. Because that's what we're trying to do. So, I saw an interview this week uh, with Dabo Sweeney, and I want to read a quote uh, from his interview. I am not a Clemson fan. Certainly not an Alabama fan. Sorry, Terry. Um, but I am a Dabo Sweeney fan. I'm a big-time Dabo Sweeney, the human being fan. Okay. Much like I was, and it's just a Mark Rick human being fan. Dabo Sweeney said this. He's talking about the success of the Clemson program and what they've achieved. And this is what he said. All the credit and all the glory goes to the good Lord, number one, and number two, these young people. When you get a group of young people that believe, are passionate, love each other, they sacrifice, they're committed to a single purpose, you better look out. Great things can happen. And that's what you saw tonight. And it got me thinking, what would happen if we started fulfilling our creative purpose? 
if we made our life's mission to know God and be known by God, what if we loved each other, were passionate about what we believe, were committed to one another, committed to a single purpose? What great things could we accomplish for His kingdom? Father, we are um, grateful that you give us an example of Solomon, this really smart dude who really messed some things up. And it's not that he messed up that we're grateful for. It's a reminder that no matter how far we fall away, no matter how far we turn, no matter how caught up we get in what we're doing, you're always there for us. That who we are is not about what we accomplish. It's about who you are to us. Our success does not define us. You define us. Our failures don't devastate us because you define us. Grateful for your son. We pray these things in his name.